This episode is sponsored by Natural Mat, an organic bed and mattress company based on the banks of the River X in Devon. Natural Mat controls the whole process of making, from collecting organic wool to sending out the finished product in its own vans. You can visit a Natural Mat showroom in the Cotswolds, Chiswick or Devon, or log on to naturalmat.co.uk. Design's about people, and people are about feelings, you know, and, and design is, is really that thing to make people feel something, and it should be happiness and joy and delight. Yeah, so design is much more than things, you know, it, it, it really is about the memories you create. Welcome to House Guest with me, Carol Annett, Interiors Editor at Country and Townhouse magazine. Here I chat to those clever creatives behind the houses, hotels and brands you see in glossy magazines like ours. Guests include interior designers and architects, as well as celebrities dipping their toe into the world of decorating. From sandcastles in the sand to the Pulitzer in Amsterdam and 100 Shoreditch, where we are sitting now, Yaku Strauss creates magic at every turn. Welcome, Yaku. Really Thank nice you. to meet you. Thank you properly. very much for having me. So you are the creative director and also very much the designer for Law Group Hotels and Commercial Spaces. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're sitting in 100 Shoreditch, it's quite an extraordinary space and very much about storytelling. It's a very different feel to a hotel that I've really ever encountered. What was it about the hotel that excites you most? Well, so many things because it's always a journey of discovery. You always try and find those hooks and those things that, that you can inject into all of your design. You know, law comes from folklore, so that's why we called the hotel group that because storytelling is... is really important to us. And going on that adventure when you design a hotel is, is fascinating because you find out things and uh, you discover things and then you, you use that. And I think it also makes it easier for people to repeat that story. Sometimes they embellish it a little bit or they change it, but I love that. I mean, one would have thought that having such a fantastic eye for hotel and an eye, an eye for what people want, you'd have thought that your background would reflect that, but you kind of grew up in the desert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I had a wonderful upbringing, but I grew up in a place that was very rural in the Kalahari Desert in South Africa. And um, I had to create my own entertainment and my own education in a way. I had to learn how to paint myself. I had to learn how to make things. But I think that made me who I am today. And I, that, that level of curiosity and interest in creating stuff is still very much with me today. And even in this hotel that I showed you today, a lot of the things were made by me. And um, that's definitely something I never want to change. I love the idea. We were just coming up in the lift and um, sort of nonchalantly, Yaku says, oh, I, I painted this lift. I painted this picture. <laughs> and then you walk into one of the bedrooms. Oh, yes, I painted this. It's kind of, we kind of wonder how you have time to do everything else when you're painting all these pictures for the rooms. Well, most of them I've painted myself. It's, I find it quite therapeutic. So even if I have to do it in the middle of the night, it's actually a very healthy thing. I really recommend anyone and everyone to do that. But for me, it's a very important touch point. You know, it injects a bit of personality into a space that might lack it. And you mentioned the lifts at this hotel. I mean, I put canvases in there. And some of them I actually had to paint in the lift whilst it was <laughs> operating. So I got to got to know a lot of the, the new staff really quickly by painting in there. But it's important to have these touch points at the right moment. And I think it, it really, it, it can be quite delightful to sometimes see something in a, in a space you don't normally would expect to see something like that. 
And um, so, yeah, delight is very important as well. I love people f- having a bit of surprise around the corner. So how did you get from playing with sand in the desert to London, which is where you came originally? So Via I, New Zealand, I understand. Well, I've lived in so many wonderful places, but I moved to London when I was 18. Um, it was my first ever international trip. And um, I was perhaps a little bit naive, but very enthusiastic. And I think when you're young, you can be naive. It's fine. But I immediately fell in love with London and I made some amazing friends who I still have as friends to this day. And And you came to university here? So, yeah. So I I moved to New Zealand after a few years of living here. Did my first degree at the University of Auckland in architecture. And then the subsequent two degrees I did here in London. So I went to the Bartlett at UCL and did my part three, which is your licensing part. Um, at Westminster University. All of those were amazing experiences. The Bartlett was particularly important. I think that's a very important part of your architectural training. But that's also the one that eventually made me explore different horizons instead of just looking at pure architecture. But then you went to work for for a bank randomly? That was before. That was when I was 18. I needed to find it. It's it's, it's okay. I, I mean, yeah. Even I sometimes get a bit confused, but I, um, when I landed here when I was 18, you know, it was sort of like a reverse gap year, and I thought, you know, you want to work a little bit and you want to travel, you're young, you can do all of those things, you have the right amount of energy and you can get by on very little. But I happened to find a temporary job at a bank as a bank clerk um, working in international check remittances. Seems that sounds almost like a dinosaur now, right? Checks. <laughs> and, um, and I ended up working there for two years. I was able to make some money and explore. I was able to travel. So that was what I needed in order to explore and experience loads of things. So it became a very valuable part of my early career, but I always knew I wanted to do something creative. So there came a time where I had to move on. And that's when I went to university. And um, and then loads of other things happened throughout. You know, I, I now work in hospitality design predominantly. Never planned for that, but I wouldn't change a thing. So you started working with Tom Dixon. You then started working on Sea Containers House. Was that through his studio? Yeah, so I was with Tom for a few years and did his interiors for him along with a few other people who I'm still very close to um, today as well. And we gradually got bigger and bigger projects and then we pitched for this hotel project on the South Bank and we had never designed a hotel before. But they were so impressed with our pitch and Tom's pitch that they gave us the job. And that was our first hotel project. So we had to sort of learn on the spot. And, but I think that really resonated well with that hotel. And the hotel is over 10 years old now, and it still feels amazing. Because again, that injection of the story and the meaning of what that hotel is still resonates. So that was our first hotel project. And then I was asked to design a hotel in Amsterdam under my own name, which is called the Pulitzer. And on the back of the success of that, we were able to explore more options and be a bit more ambitious. So now we have six hotels for the group. So Law Group, you did that for, for Law Group and then they took you on as their... Essentially, yes. We created Law Group a little bit later on because okay. originally we thought we would just have two independent hotels and just manage it that way. Yeah. But when we decided to do more hotels, we realized we needed to create a hotel group as well to kind of tie them all together because all the hotels look very, very different. But that's on purpose. We want to be very unique with our hotels and it has to make sense 
uh, within the context of where it is. And so we needed something to tie it all together. So that's why we created Law Group, because Law Group represents that storytelling that is consistent in all of our hotels. Each hotel tells a story. So that's the common DNA. So we had to create the hotel group in 90, 2018, we created the hotel group. And it's also just to have more visibility about the fact that you know there are some consistencies as well with 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 how you experience one hotel over the other. But the main message is that each one is still pretty much feels like an independent hotel. So that was a massive acknowledgement for you and your work. Mm. And now you oversee all the creative direction mm. for the law group yeah. hotels. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I often say that creating the 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 group, being one of the founders, was probably my biggest accomplishment so far because. It was really trying to celebrate, like I mentioned, all of these individual hotels that feel so different, but also just reflecting on what makes them so special and, and what's the common thread that runs through all of them. So that was probably my biggest accomplishment so far, creating a hotel group. I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it comes with complications, but again, it, it, it means so much more because it just also shows a bit of ambition as well. And is am I right in thinking that you try to live on site either... So you lived in London mm. in the in 100 Shoreditch, you lived in Amsterdam for a while, and then for the Pulitzer and in Washington for the rigs? Well, I've, I've been based in London now for a while, so London is home. But for Washington and for Amsterdam, I ended up moving there. So um, I've been very lucky, like I said, to, to have lived in all of these amazing places. But it was not just for a practical reason, it was also just to really live and breathe every city so that whatever we did felt really authentic and truthful and something the neighbours would be proud of. And in your in the um, Pulitzer in, in Amsterdam, so it's 25 canal, little canal houses all um, built into one. It must be a, a, a bit of a maze to negotiate. Yeah, it's, um, that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of a project and really had to live and breathe that one because, you know, 225 rooms... 25 golden age canal houses. Some of them are 400 years old. You know, nothing is straight, you know, everything is sort of slightly wonky, but that's the beauty of it all. So that was a real labor of love, being able to understand exactly what we had to work with and then also how to celebrate it rather than sort of mask it. And I think that was, that was a really key moment in my career from a design perspective as well in hotel design, because that just showed that there's nothing wrong with bringing personality and, and actually celebrating quirks and and the fact that you have to go up and down steps and you get a little bit lost in the labyrinth of all these buildings. But that should be delightful. It shouldn't be something that's scary because how often do you get to experience staying in a 400-year-old Dutch Golden Age canal house? Not very often. And it's had um, so many people... People talk, really talk about that hotel in particular with so much affection and that must be really lovely for you to think that you've created something that that people really warm to. To me that's probably the most rewarding feeling. Um, once you reopen the doors of your refurbished hotel, redesigned hotel and then someone walks in and you can sort of see the delight on their face. You know, and, and all of the hotels that I've designed are so different and, and again you get different people staying there. But it's that moment when someone walks in and they have a smile on their face or immediately they respond to something that either you anticipated or you didn't anticipate. That's really wonderful. And it also, I think some of the feedback I've had in the past was 
some people walk in and they think it's always been like this, which I think is a very big compliment because it feel it makes you feel like you did the right thing. It feels authentic. It feels comfortable. It's exactly the right thing. But they forget that it took three years of blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> pretty much, to get there. But you know, but that is kind of really rewarding. Um, I wanted to talk um, a little bit about the textures and the materials. There's quite a lot of cork downstairs mm. in the lobby yeah. here. And also the most amazing sculpture, sort of a big wooden half sphere um, with a beautiful orange perspex yeah. sun. Tell me about that. I mean, so two things. I mean, cork was a really nice material to use in this particular hotel. Again, like I said, all my hotels are different. So I start from scratch every single time. You know, I have to come up with the right solutions for the right building, for the right project. But here, cork just felt really nice. We wanted to bring something quite naturally into the interior, especially in an area like Shoreditch, which is quite, you know, it's quite raw. It feels quite industrial sometimes. So just having that little bit of softness really helps. I also just love cork because it's a natural material, it's sustainable, it's a, it, it helps with soundproofing, and um, and it just gives a beautiful texture. This, the wooden sculpture you're referring to were, were, was a collaboration with um, a studio called Jan Hensel, and um, we connected really early on. And one of my team members got us work with them on creating these beautiful sculptures that we have at the hotel. And they're all crafted from local London wood trees that felt naturally or just, so it's all local materials that they use. And they created these abstract forms for us that become these kind of like introductions into the hotel when you walk in. And the one in the lobby that you're referring to has this beautiful orange disc on the top. So we get an amazing bit of sunset or sunlight coming through in the afternoon. So then it casts this beautiful orange sort of shadow on the floor. So again, it's all the magic of how things also change throughout the day. But it's also about creating something that's quite tactical. And that's the, the thing with the cork and with all the wood is that I never want to create a museum where things seem to be off limits. I want everyone to feel like they can touch everything because it's something so beautiful about touching textures and feeling that connection with something that's handcrafted and a natural material. And you've got some quite quirky bits of vintage furniture downstairs. I mean, do you sort of go spend hours online flicking through various sites? Way too many hours. It's, <laughs> it's probably more, it's, it's one of my favourite pastimes. It might even be a hobby. But I love finding things and I mean, for example, and I collect things for myself as well. My cottage in Wiltshire is full of things and London is full as well and friends are looking after things. I mean, I should really make a list of where everything is. I mean, I bought a, a hand-carved chair the other day in Amsterdam in the shape of a tiger. Don't know where that's going to go, but it's, <laughs> it's my studio at the moment. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting a lot of comments. But I love looking at things and finding things. It's, it kind of makes sense sometimes economically for a project because you can inject some things that you can afford but it to me it's even more important that it's it has a message about sustainability about reusing things and I think good design can be reused and I think it's becoming something that's even more and more important in, in everyone's lives these days is to to do less but do better and I think vintage items are just the key thing for it just give it new life give it a new uh, home and I always say everything has a place so you know th there comes a time where there's nothing I don't like because I know eventually I might need it that's something that I think I may not like now but I'll need it for something at some stage so it's a great thing to embrace a little bit of second hand a bit of antiques a bit of vintage and it's also you meet wonderful people through through all of these things you know there's nothing nicer than going to an antiques market sometimes and just chatting to people there um, and what about colour? Uh, a lot of the, the palette 
here in one hand in Shoreditch is, is very natural wood, natural colours, terracotta, clay, and quite a bit of pink. So the rooftop yeah, definitely has a bit of pink. Pink is, um, <laughs> I know we talked about it earlier, pink is, uh, can be, it's a little bit less controversial now than it was when I first used pink about 12 years ago. Was it in the sea containers you had a yeah, pink? There was a bar with a pink bonquet, but um, I kind of lied about the colour beforehand. And it wasn't <laughs> until it turned up on site and it looked like a massive pink caterpillar um, being, being carried <laughs> through a construction site that people were like, it's pink. But... Again, these are the kind of moments where sometimes you have to push the limits a little bit. Color is, for me, one of the most difficult things to do. Well, I say difficult, one of the most challenging things, because there's a real, it's not always instant. There's always a little bit of testing that goes with it. The hotel that we're sitting in now, I mean, everything is intentionally a little bit more neutral, because the whole experience here is about being a bit of a sanctuary. So it's all soft, calm, natural. Some of the other hotels I've done much louder with colors and that's also very intentional. But to get to that point where, I've, where I land on a color that I'm happy with, it takes time, loads of testing. And um, I recommend anyone to do the same thing. You know, Don't start with the color when you do your design. The color almost comes last. See what else you have and then see how it ties it together. And sometimes you end up with a color you never would have anticipated. But yeah, going back to pink, pink is a personal favorite of mine. So I think it'll probably appear in a few more interiors at some stage. So when you were a little boy um, playing in the sand in mm. South Africa, is this what you were dreaming of? I, I always knew I wanted to be a designer. Um, I always had a connection with the built environment and construction and architecture. But I also taught myself how to paint. So it's, you know, design is quite, quite a broad thing, even more so these days. But I knew I wanted to do something creative because um, that gave me the most pleasure. And it was also just, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. I always felt that it's an amazing thing to do on your own, but there's something you can share with others as well. So again, there's that lovely balance. So, you know, I knew from early age that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create something. And I thought architecture was the best way of doing that. And um, I'm really happy that I did that. But as for working in, in hospitality design predominantly now, I never would have guessed it. And looking back, I think there's always a lot of pressure when you're younger to to know exactly where you want to be at a certain point. And I think it's very stressful and it's unnecessary. I think you do need to go with the flow a little bit. I think it, you should always have your eye on, on some sort of prize, but the journey there should always be what I call the scenic route. You know, it's not, it's not a linear thing. You know, you, you go through a few curves and sometimes you end up somewhere else. And I think that's, that's a really marvelous thing. Um, to have that as a, as a designer. And I think it keeps your mind active. You should always be working on, on your next thing. You know, I think designers are never finished with something. You know, you're never satisfied because you always want more, but in a very good way, not in a very greedy way. You always want more because you always want to learn more. You want to discover more. Um, and that was the thing that I always wanted to do. And, you know, I just had these stepping stones and um, I'm very happy with where I am now. I do hotels that I love doing. I also work in um, office designs, which to me is also very exciting at the moment because that's also now shifting from what you would have considered traditional office design and, and what needs to happen now. Even with the pandemic thrown in, you know, things are changing. And I think like hotels that are now much more uh, conscious of creating a, a unique experience that's really authentic, offices now need to do the same thing. So. I, I got here somehow, and um, but I'm very, very happy that I did. 
Oh, Yaki, thank you so much. It's been really, really delightful um, and enlightening. And it makes you, you know, as a, we, you have to say, you sort of slightly take it for granted when you walk into, you know, a hotel or you're staying somewhere. And then that delight when you actually kind of plump down on the bed and actually it's really soft and it's lovely. And it's, you know, or going into the rooms here and it's got like, got, there was that real kind of, gosh, there's a different feeling about it. It's a feeling, isn't it? It's not just the way something looks, it's a feeling. Absolutely, that's why I said design's about people and people are about feelings, you know, and, and design is, is really that thing to make people feel something and it should be happiness and joy and delight. But it's, yes, yeah, so design is much more than things, you know, it's, it, it really is about the memories you create and hopefully those memories are so good that you'll come back again. So it, it, there are so many more touch points that are so, it's quite poetic really. But it's also a balance of all these things having to come together. But like you said, it's, it's about how you experience it and, and someone else might experience it a little bit differently. But to me, that is really amazing. And the next time you're in one of the lower group hotels and you happen to be going up and down the lift, if there's somebody painting the inside of the lift, <laughs> say hello, because it might well be Yaku and he will have designed the whole flipping place. I'll be doing that or carrying a chair around. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> I, what I really need is a big tool belt. I think that, that might be in my Christmas gift list this year. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let them know, but make sure it's on your list. Thank you very much. Sustainability has been at the heart of Natural Mat since day one. This year, they became the first bed and mattress company in the UK to gain B Corp status. They also hold the Queen's Award for Sustainability. Using only certified organic materials, Natural Mat's mattresses are better for you and the planet. Visit naturalmat.co.uk. Thank you for joining me today. You can hear more Houseguest on British Airways in-flight entertainment in the audio section, along with our sister podcast, Breakout Culture, with Lord Ed Vasey and Charlotte Metcalf. You can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett.